0: What's up, Banana Bunch? It's time for another episode of the Jungle Gyms podcast. There's a lot of excitement happening in the jungle this week. Quite literally, you can probably hear it in my voice a little bit, because this Saturday, January 29th, I am going to be recording a live episode of the show from a bathtub full of Cincinnati-style chili here Inside the WJJI studio in Jungle Gems. Now, if you are into sports, you've been following the world of sports, and it's that time of year, our very own Cincinnati Bengals have made it to the playoffs for the first time in over 30 years. So I had to show love the best way that I knew how, which was to do a live segment with all of you here in the jungle while I am bathing in Chile. You're welcome. Here's a few updates. It's going to be a free event, so stay tuned to our social media for official start times as I'm literally running around like a crazy person with the creative team all week to make this happen, Uh, and I'm ironing out those details, So, but I'll say this, our tentative plan, and I feel like this might end up being the permanent plan, but of course, this is why you're going to follow us on social media to make sure. Um, Our tentative plan is to do this event between noon and 2 p.m., again, on Saturday, January 29th. This, this is going to be so fun. It's so ridiculous. I've been laughing about it since it all spiraled out of control. You know, it's one of those times where you just wrote a funny tweet and everything else just sort of fell into place. <laughs> uh, but speaking of fun things, you know what else would be fun? Leaving me a short review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Look, I'm not going to give you all the whole spiel this time as you can hear it at the top of every episode like you're hearing it right now. But of course, I've said it once. I'll say it again reviews, and downloads. Those are the things that help us succeed and stay as one of the world's most popular shows. And look, we've been peaking pretty high in the charts regularly, but you know me, I'm an achiever. And I want to see us land in the number one spot one of these days. And this is really an easy way for all of you to help. So yeah, leave a review. And thanks so much to everyone who's already left reviews. You know what I'll do you all, Sod. Since you've already left those reviews, I will go ahead and let you all have a free sample of my bathtub chili for your efforts. Please don't make that a reality for me or you. Oh, uh, but before I dive in, don't forget in every episode show notes, both on your favorite podcast platform as well as the YouTube releases, I put in helpful time codes so you can easily skip around on the show. If you're like, I don't know if I'm feeling this segment, what's next? You can jump around. I just want to remind you all of that. Okay, so today we're sitting down with Chris V, one of my favorite teammates here to talk about the trials and tribulations of running a grocery store during a pandemic and how interesting some of these pivots have been, uh, both for us as Jungle Jim's international markets, as well as for the people providing the items to put on our shelves. And we talk about so many other things. I love giving you all a little of that kind of behind the scenes, well, really breaking the proverbial food chain action here by diving into the operational sides of this world. It's new to me. It's probably new to you too. And I guarantee that you are at the very least going to have the same reaction I did to Chris's cheese remark during the interview. After that, I'm playing a little teaser for you all. Now, you might remember a few months back and a few episodes back, we kicked off our very first Jungle Jim's beer series called The Road to the Jungle in collaboration with 50 West Brewing here in town. And if not, I would tell you, highly recommend that you just dive into that episode, especially because Jungle sat in with us. Now, in a few weeks, we're going to have a whole longer episode based on this teaser you're hearing today, where you get to be a fly in the wall while we all sit down and decide on the next style and flavor of our upcoming beer in the series. But I'm hoping that this should whet your appetite for that release, which is coming up in February. So stay tuned, subscribe, all that stuff. Speaking of alcohol releases and fun events in the store, however, you like how I'm tying this all in? Yeah, me too. I'm pretty proud. (laughs) I went to one of our wine walkabout events recently, and I stopped to chat briefly with some of our vendors and a customer, conveniently whose name was also Mark. Let's make that happen more often. Uh, I always like to mention, with some of these events I've never experienced before here at the jungle, you have to know going in, I'm just sort of winging it. Not like, like obviously I'm prepared to talk on topic and I've done some research about what's going on and that kind of thing. But I never know what the, and I kind of hate to use this word, but the vibes of the situation are right until I've experienced one. So, yeah, I thought I might get way more interviews and way more time with the vendors, but it was it was exciting. I mean, the room's electric. You can kind of feel that excitement. And so while I know that you'll likely enjoy all this, even though I'm just being hard on myself and doing that whole thing, I think you should also know that every time I do one of these on location bits. It's just going to keep getting better and better as I get more acclimated to how we do events here in the jungle and all that fun stuff. And I'm cooking up a bunch of video content right now. It's been so much fun. Okay, don't let me do the whole imposter syndrome thing for too long. Here are a few short interview bits from the Wine Walkabout so you can get a taste as well. But don't swirl the podcast around a glass. Just listen to the interview. Are, are you all having fun? You can just shout yes at me. Yeah! That's the tone of the jungle, the Fairfield jungle, not to be confused with the stadium jungle. All right, Charlie, you're on the uh, Jungle Gyms podcast. Welcome. Welcome. All right. Tell me who you're with, what you're doing here today.
1: Uh, we're doing a walkabout for Jungle Gyms, and I'm with uh, Tre- Tremonti & Sons Wine Company, distributor. Awesome. So what uh,
0: what makes the wines that you've brought today special? Like, what's the exciting part for you about this?
1: Uh, it was really nice that Michael let me pick all the wines, and I pick my favorites. So it's real easy for me to talk about them. You know, talk things over with the guest and it makes them their experience better I think
0: Absolutely, right. Absolutely. Uh, So what do you have, what's your favorite that
1: you brought with you today is there one in particular, maybe two in particular I love them all but I actually made the Cincinnati so in September, around September 15th uh, my wife and I, another couple from Columbus went out and made my fourth vintage of the Cincinnati and we make about 168 cases and it's always a really good time That's so
0: cool. Have you been making wine a long time, or is that just sort of came with the territory?
1: Just kind of came with the territory. Yeah, got the opportunity and really love it. Just run right towards it. That's my move,
0: too. (laughs) So you mentioned before that Michael let you pick your own wine. Is that kind of an uncommon thing at some of these tasting events?
1: Eh, Sometimes, yeah. But I've been doing this a long time. I'm in it over 25 years now. So yeah, most of my customers rely on me to just take care of it. Sure.
0: You have any uh, favorite things about Jungle Gyms?
1: Oh, I love this place. Always had. When my kids were young, we come down here all the time, and uh, yeah, we teach sailing camp out of Houston Woods, and it's a big thing for all the junior sailors, eleven to fifteen, to come here. It's kind of a yearly thing. After sailing camp, they all come to visit Jungle Gyms, and then they go to Kings Island.
0: Beautiful. I love that. That's it. Can't get more Cincinnati than that. You made a Cincinnati wine. You got the right. Jungle Gyms on there. I love it. Well, Charlie, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. All right. What was your name and who are you here with?
2: I am Megan. I'm with Vintage Wine Distributor. We've got some really awesome stuff today.
0: So what is... All right. What's so awesome on the lineup today?
2: So I've got a lot of France, which I love. Um, specifically the Rhone Valley. So I've got a Rhone Red... Blend so Grenache Syrah Mavedra. I've got a full Syrah from the Rhone Valley. We also have a Rhone White, which is very hard to come by. Um, 50% claret, which is really interesting.
0: And what was that expression? Claret. What does that mean? Ex- ex-
2: it, oh, is great. It, is a, it is a grape, oh. um, but also some Viognier and a little bit of Grenache Blanc. So it's going to be more floral, a little bit heavier bodied, a little bit more of that like beautiful, like nectarine stone fruit. Oh, cool. Yeah,
0: I like that it just sounds like you're talking in code the entire time. Like, yeah, it's got a little of this and, uh, you know. <laughs> All right. I was going to do the red rhone. Yeah.
2: Okay. So this is beautiful. It's a Grenache Chirin mostly. A little bit of the Vedra. Okay. So you get beautiful red fruits up front. You get a touch of that earthiness. Um, just a really great expression. So domain solitude. They were actually planted back in the 1500s. Um, Also, the only pope that was excommunicated is part of the Lancone family. (laughs) So a little (laughs) spicy, a little spicy fast.
0: Yeah, I love it. I was going to say, it's also a miniature history lesson today. Well, that's wine. Yeah, right. That
2: that literally is wine. Like so many of our regions have gone back and forth over like country lines. And, um, you know, the Romans were like the first people that had wine, allegedly um so yeah the history is wine wine is history and geography it's amazing
0: that's so cool any other uh, particular highlights you'd like me to shout out on the show while while we're here
2: uh you know we just have some really great wines here at jungle gyms all of our wines are amazing cool. well megan thank you
0: so much for your time hopefully you'll come on the show one day
2: yes would love to thank you so much and
0: sorry to swing your uh the microphone in your hand all right mark a fellow mark Welcome to the Wine Walkabout. Are you having fun so far?
3: I am having a great time. This is an awesome experience. It's being able to taste all the different type of wines that are available to us today. This is great.
0: That's so cool. Is this your first one doing this, or have you been here before?
3: No, this is the first time I've done the whole wine tasting experience, and it's a great experience. You got wines from Italy, you got wines from France, US, Napa. Great experience. I'm
0: really glad to hear that. That's awesome. Is this your first time in Jungle Gyms at all, or are you a regular here?
3: No, we're a regular. We've been here out here probably for 25, 30 years, so we know Jungle Gyms from our fruit stand <laughs> to where it is today. So it's a great experience. That's so cool. Oh, my gosh.
0: I love that. Wow, we were joking uh, before that uh, – well, uh, let me back up. Do you have any favorites that you've tried today so far?
3: I really like the uh, Bordeaux and uh, – from Table 3, Megan. Megan, yes. Megan Megan had a great Bordeaux, awesome experience, very, and the Squirrel. Yes, my wife reminded me of the Squirrel. (laughs) So it is, uh, those are probably our two favorite wines that we've had tonight. Cool.
0: Yeah. But I'm So I love to tell the audience that I'm kind of the idiot exploring all of this stuff for the first time. Yes. As I joked with you off yes, air you too. Did. Yes. You know, I love a little honesty and authenticity. I hope right. that they appreciate it too. <laughs> but I'm just going through trying to figure out what it is I like. So. Right. Yes. So what do you like, Mark? That's a great question so far. I think one of my favorites was the uh, the red roan that Megan had actually. Okay.
3: The-, the ghost of Rome one, the red Yes.
0: yes. Very good. Yeah. I I love the flavor in that. It had like a good bit of like like that red berry forward yeah. nature. A little oaky. You know, I'm yeah. trying to trying to learn all the terminology so I sound really cool in front of other wine people. There you people.
3: go. There you go. It's, you know, the whole wine experience goes from you know you start off at sweets, you go to the mediums, and then you go to the full bodies. Yeah. And that's what you're experiencing today are the full body wines, right? They're really good, <laughs> good tasting wines. Not the you know what we used to call what was it back in the day? Strawberry Hill.
2: Oh, yeah, God. we don't yeah. want any of
3: those, right? So... This is, of the ball. Yeah, the $2 bottles to the $40 bottles. This is the good stuff. Good. So That's
1: awesome.
3: Yeah. Besides your favorite wine, what has been your best, your, Mark, best experience of being here tonight?
0: Uh, this is going to sound so corny and trite, but uh, I really just like talking to people. I think that's why I'm in the job I'm in. So having moments with people like you has been great. Like, I, you know, it's... It's kind of fun because we're all here to have like a good right. time together. So there's something. And I feel like, you know, for the last two years in particular, we right. really haven't gotten that opportunity right. too frequently. So, right. you know, as trite as it might sound, that's my answer. I'm here for the people, Mark.
3: Right. There you go, Mark. Mark and Mark talking to each other is a great experience. <laughs> you can't beat yeah. people on the uh, podcast team. But it's really, it's, it's getting out, knowing each other. Right. Having some fun, tasting some wine. Having a really good time. And Mark, I hope you appreciate it as well. Thanks Thanks so much, Mark. I'm going
0: to have to do more Mark-related interviews yeah, in the future. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks for your time. Again, shout out to Other Mark. Always love meeting another one of my people. All right, moving on. Chris and I here bonded over a mutual love of 90s comedy with a little bit of a focus on Seinfeld, amongst other great things. And I just really happen to love that he's won an award repeatedly called The Golden Penguin. And he's gotten that award for his work here at Jungle Gyms. Now, I'll do you all solid and I'm going to save you all the same disappointment I experienced when I found out that the award is just a plate with his name and the, the awards name on it rather than an actual golden penguin. But maybe we can uh, reach out to the National Frozen and Refrigerated Foods Association to get them to change that in the future. But in the meantime, learn about some of the interesting struggles here in our, our business world from Chris V. Hey, buddy. We're here. We're trying this.
4: I'm glad we are. Me it's too. It's been a while. There's been a lot going on. Oh, too much going
0: on. Should we tell the audience that our secret? Sure. Yeah. Well, so this is the second time we're trying this because you and I both did that thing. I think this is fun. Like I feel like, A, you're one of the people here that I've gotten to know the best in just a, a personal level. And so I was doing that thing where I was like, were we too personable? Were we too this? Did we not do enough of that? And what's funny now is knowing where the show is compared to where it was when we recorded it. Now, I was joking with you about this off air where I was like, <laughs> we probably could have released that one and it was fine and interesting. And I was just being self conscious. So,
4: no, you are the pro here at this. I was the one that was um, <laughs> just talking and I just kept getting sidetracked. <laughs> We're and, just going to beat ourselves up over it. Yeah. Well, it still was good content, but you know, uh, good enough to know that you are growing, by the way. Congratulations to you, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate I looked that. at the ratings. I think it was this morning. Yep. And you were number fifty-five out of all food podcasts in America. That is, that- is a wonderful <laughs> statistic. It's insane. But what's even more insane is you are number one in the country of Jordan. The Jordanians love Mark. Hey, hey, everyone in
0: Jordan that's listening right now, thank you. I, re- I genuinely <laughs> appreciate it. I don't. I, I kept thinking I was like, do I have any family or anyone I know over there? And I don't think I do.
4: We have two girls at work here that are from Jordan. Really? Yes. One um, works upstairs. She. But they were both on the, um, the front end. One still is. Um, and they go back, their family is there. Um, so maybe there's a little word of mouth action. That's
0: what I, I'm always just, I'm always so curious about that. And there's not, you know, how do you really trace where anybody, you know, it's like, how did you find out about us? We are an international market. So of course there's that angle to it. So I tend to just write it off there. I'm like, all right, but I'm always a little curious about that.
4: Yeah, me too. I think it's real interesting. All walks of life in this place. I mean...
0: 35 languages, I think, somebody told me the yeah, other day.
4: Which is just crazy.
0: Yeah, especially because I speak one and a half, you know, uh, so... Yeah. I'm learning to communicate. Well, that's
4: good. <laughs> me too. We'll see how we do today.
0: <laughs> well, Chris, tell the people, what's your role and what do you do here?
4: A lot of hats, my friend. Um, yeah, and you look great in them. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Cover my bald head. They... um I, I, I've i been filling a lot of just kind of voids with the company ever since I've been working here. But yeah. uh, my main roles currently are uh, senior buyer mm-hmm. and um, category manager is kind of the broadest two terms that I do. Yep. Um, but I jump into a lot of areas where, you know, if we have some crazy ideas where we want to expand something or create a new trend or catch traction on um, any sort of different category that we create. Um, like right now, uh, you know, uh, a big decision that we look at is things like right now we have stores within stores mm-hmm. and that's like, we have, you know, we have five different areas within the store where we have spices for okay. example. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the organic ones are natural foods. And then we got like the Indian spices in India and then so forth and so on the McCormick yeah. and American grocery. Right. So we look at things like, would it be more fun Would the customers like it more If we have like one big wall of spices or is it fun to find them in each little store within the store? So we look at, I know it's weird. We look at these things like we could do this with potato chips. We have, you know how many... We have this whole huge run over here. I have,
0: like, an entire rack. Yeah, you do. you got a lot of. You <laughs> could run a mini-mart Yeah, up
4: exactly. Once we get time,
0: I've got a bunch of videos I want to do with them. So. Yeah.
4: I mean, crazy chips. So would it be more of a splash? It'd be like, oh, my God, chip world. Right. Um, versus, you know, international chips or gluten-free chips. Um, sure. GMO-free. So... Uh, we look at those things and as things catch, we call them, you know, they become mainstream. So they started out real small, kind of like a niche product. And all of a sudden um, they don't belong in like the natural foods department anymore because they caught legs and they became, lack of a better term, more Americanized or more just mainstream. Sure. So moving items. Um, that is one way that we look at things. That's to just so interesting. Create more awareness, more sales, um, getting it. In front of the customers more. Yeah. So uh, I do a lot of weird stuff like that. Just running reports on what does well where, Mm -hmm. how, price point, um, just constantly running a lot of stats and numbers on stuff like that. That's
0: super cool to me. And it's something I didn't, recognize was something that you had your hands in it doesn't surprise me of course because I've like you said I mean I've seen you wear so many hats like running the store and everything where it's just yes sir crazy they,
4: yeah it's um it just another thing like we um I kind of have been the guinea pig for this project and um, there's a few that are really on board with this idea and other people are kind of like it takes away the magic of jungle Gems because you people shop here for uh, an extended amount of time right and they kind of like the idea of exploring, which is cool. And that works to our advantage. Right. But I look at it just, you know, on a monetary standpoint, could, could we make a bigger splash? Like we already, we have those things already here. Look at the honey table, right? Nobody's got a honey table. Like we do our cheese department is like a great example of that cheese, you know, it's everywhere. Um,
0: and it's like, and it
4: also covers the international
0: gap too, where it's like, here's some cheese from this location. It kind of seems to do a
4: little bit of everything. Completely. Yeah. Um, so I look at that as, you know, I think it's like a left brain, right brain thing. Like I, I kind of would like to have things sectionalized more just personally as a shopper. Yeah. What I care about personally doesn't matter for what the masses want because we're trying to please our customers. But, um, you know, it's just it, it's fun to play with uh, some of those things. So we don't do a lot of cross merchandising here, meaning, you know, keeping this product in one department and also putting it in another. Um, that's the solution based shopping that most people do. And that's what you'll see at Kroger. Like during Super Bowl, you'll see an end cap and it has all your goodies like the chips, the dip, the two liters of Coke. And exactly. Have yourself a party. Um, but
0: then you can also technically find it in their respective areas. That's, that's what you mean by cross merchandising, right? Absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, that's also, I still don't know anything.
4: No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, we reserve here, uh, end caps generally for our deals. Yeah. Um, and you, which I
0: think is smart by the way, as a customer.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're not going down the aisle, you're definitely going to pass the end of it. Mm-hmm. So make it available. Um, But we also play the volume game here. You know, we have so many shoppers a week. I think it's 100,000, something like that. But um, so we have a lot of turns. Uh, We want to give customers a great deal. And we also want to, you know, let them explore as well. So I'm constantly trying to figure out what's that middle ground. Yeah. And I notice I might be jaded on the big display part. That's kind of my preference where I'm leaning. Right. uh, Because the first like real one of those I created here was the craft ice cream section. Yeah. And now I have 10 doors of crazy pints of ice cream and you know, the the percentage growth on that alone was, you know, upper triple digits on what crazy. I did uh, just by displaying it and um, making it a thing. Uh, but we still have work to do with it. We have pints of ice cream that are in our international department that really don't belong there. It doesn't make sense. Like, mm-hmm. You have Americanized gelato that is in the Italian section and oh, international. Gotcha. So my, I, that's what I do a lot is curate what should be where. and Cool though. Yes. Yeah, so it's a lot of moving pieces. It's kind of taking a puzzle and, you know, turning it a bunch of ways and seeing what works. If this is something that, you know, it's like once I hear you say it, I'm
0: like, oh yeah, of course that's a thing. But I have to assume that I and people listening didn't never thought about that. You know what I mean? That there's like someone is actively going out like, well, what's going to appeal more to us, you know?
4: Well, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, the, the brains behind it. If something doesn't work, if something doesn't like sell as well as we think it should, then you got to try something else. Yeah. That's the whole name of the game. Uh, if it's not working, you gotta do something. And, um, and while it might be working, uh, are we missing opportunities? So sure. that's where I also jump in with a lot of this stuff. Can I do more? Yeah, it's doing well, but what if we gave it this placement and what would it do then? So there's a lot of stuff to look at uh, throughout the entire store. It's
0: great. I'm just sitting here kind of like my mouth dropped because I'm just like, oh, yeah, of course, these are all kinds of things. And it's something now that I'm thinking about it. I think that's one of my favorite things, whether I knew how to articulate it or not about Jungle. And my experience here just as an employee in the last few months is that it does feel like, and a lot of the other big-name retailers, if something doesn't work, it's just gone, right? Like, you'll find that. I And, like, I'm an explorer at every shop I go to, so I'm that type of person who finds that one weird thing I like, and it usually disappears. But it rarely disappears at Jungle Gems, which I think is interesting. And it's probably because you and people like you in the store are trying to go, hey, why is this not working, rather than just, oh, it's not? Get rid of it,
4: you know? Absolutely. And the other thing is... Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of times we might be forced to do it because this place is constantly expanding or under construction and like, well, we're going to move this over here. And, you know, so we got to cough up space here, or, you know, always make some changes. But, um, you know, I've been working here for a while, so I, I don't have the shopper instinct that you do, say at Kroger or whatever. Right. I go to competition check and whatever. But um, I do know what you mean um, with... You might see something there, but then it's kind of gone. Yeah. And the way they work their aisles is just so different from us. And I'm like, why are the tortillas in grocery at Kroger on dry sock shelves. And here they're in our Hispanic section in a refrigerated case right next to the Cohita and the Crema and all the stuff that makes sense. Yeah. I just look at that and I'm like, uh, it's backwards. (laughs) What's going on here? And why can't I find it? Yeah. No, I think, you know what I think it is? And this is going to sound so
0: corny, but we were talking about this while we were walking before. But I think there is, but I think this is the, we work for an independent business versus a huge corporation thing. Where I tend to find there's, it seems like there's a lot more camaraderie here and kind of that family aspect. The example, I'll just use the example I gave you, which is that I shopped at another store this weekend because it's very, you know, I live far away from here. Sure. Uh, I was just grabbing a couple things and in my time there, a lot of the shelves were like barren and disheveled and it looked, I mean, it just looked like shit realistically Uh, I can say that since I didn't say who this popular grocery chain was, um, but it looked awful and it was a bad experience and nobody really seemed to care. Like the employees kind of just looked like they were so locked into whatever boring tasks they were in that like. Presentation was lost, and so what I found so refreshing here is that when you walk around the store, and you know, of course, there's exceptions to the rule, but I would say the majority of the time, our shelves look nice, and it looks like somebody cared enough to walk by and adjust something. You know, because like customers are not going to be like you, you take something down, you put it back, you're probably not taking putting it back with care, and that's not a knock on them. You know, they're doing their own thing, but like I feel like for us, from like an employee standpoint, we do a really good job of like a lot of those things that have gotten lost to time in the big box retail space. If that I, makes sense.
4: No, it does make sense. And you know, there's a couple points to what you just said that um, I can make. And one with the store that you did go to and mm-hmm. the shelves being barren and um, you know, just looking like shit, as you yeah. said, uh, this is also a time right now where um, you're going to see uh the pan, when the pandemic hit mm-hmm. and you saw how bad our shelves got hit and people were kind of hoarding almost right because they did the, the fear of the unknown uh, we're starting to see that again yeah and it's, it's coming around because of the supply chain sure I mean I I was looking at the news this morning and you know there's hashtags for it and all that sort of stuff but they uh, <laughs> the shelves are it's really bad I was talking to my wife yesterday. She ran up to Kroger because she had to get something. She goes, mm-hmm. I'm not kidding, Chris. They're out of strawberries, watermelon, and raspberries. These are a staple at our house. Yeah. Because my daughter has to stay home yesterday. She ran up, but Good choices, she goes, though. nothing. And I said, What do you think's going on out there? Like, this is, while we don't run out of it, luckily we have been able to source product. Um, that is our obviously main job as senior buyers, which has become a job within a job, just to get stuff. Right. Um, but prices are higher and, um, you know, get into products harder. So while their shelves may look terrible, we do take a lot of pride in not showing our weakness. If we do have it as, you know, in the sense that product is hard to get or whatever, yeah, of course. But, you know, I walk the store with jungle a lot and you know, he's, he leads by action where. I would do the same, and I think a lot of every owner would. But to see him bend down and pick up trash uh, is a big deal. It's you know, crazy. It's it's those little things that um, you know get ex, uh, expanded into, you know, when we were walking and I adjusted that thing on the end cap or right. whatever it was, just to put it back in place.
0: Well, I always see you doing that whenever we're walking through the store. It's, where just, it's just
4: second nature, and yeah. I think it is for a lot of people at this point, And what we have. Like when I run the store, one thing that I I always do is if um, I'm not too busy, I'll run around with the shopping cart and I just find stuff that's out of place our mispicks. Yeah, and you get them off the shelf, and we go get them organized in the you know correct departments to put them back where they need to go. Otherwise, it's you know it's like having a messy desk. It's like anything else. You gotta have a little pride with it. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's just uh, again, you know, I, I'm not that
0: new anymore. I've been here a few months now, but like. It is something I'm really starting to notice, you know, because even in an area where something might be out of stock here, it's like the surrounding area is still well kept enough that it's like, okay, well, maybe we're struggling with the supply chain issues too. But like, again, that pride's there where we're like, I mean, again, it was, it was, it looked like the, uh, the image I have in my head as I was walking down a dry goods aisle, I'm trying to be so not specific, so I don't sound like a jerk, but it was like, you know, ramen, rice, all that stuff. And it seriously looked like somebody had just, like, tackled this aisle. So there were just, like, boxes of stuff everywhere. And it was just, like, it was one of those things that I almost, having now watched you do it so much and see Jungle pick stuff up, and not just you guys, but, like, everyone go out and, like, adjust stuff as they see it out of place. I almost got involved there, and I was like, what am I doing? Oh, don't help them. Yeah, no, not at all. I was like, oh, it's awful. And so hell with those guys. Now, instead, I'm just going to tell the whole
4: audience. that I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, well, I also... You know, here the the you know, the people that are working in the department are working directly for the buyer ultimately. Yeah. So they they know and are communicating of what we can and cannot get essentially. Sure. So if we know that we cannot get something, we're going to stretch out and double face or triple face and sure. items so our shelves do not look terrible. When you say things like double face, triple face, does that mean just like put more so if you are looking for Vlasic pickles, whatever, I'm just throwing sure. that one out there. Classic, yeah. You know, spears. Uh, if you have just one, like, come on,
0: pickle sponsorship. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I don't know why I always pick pickles when no, I'm talking. Pick, I mean, pickles, that, they're
4: in jars. They're it's a
0: good. It's got like a good tactile I thing like going pickles. on. Yeah, yeah.
4: they're a good product. I'm into it. So if you know, Vlasic has. I'm just throwing this out there. Like ten different varieties, whether it's bread and butter. Uh, spicy hot, all that sort of stuff. You're going to put two to three facings of your bestseller generally. And what that means is a pack out. So if they come 12 in a case, instead of having one row that goes 12 deep, Mm -hmm. you can essentially have, you know, 24 or 36 on that shelf, but three facings of that bestseller. That's what that means. Awesome. Thank you. So you expand out on your bestsellers to make it look better, but you are communicating with the buyer. The buyer should be communicating with the department that, we aren't able to get this stuff. There's allocation on this because, you know, everybody's shorthanded right now. And sure. then there's shortage on packaging. Glass is short right now. So that's another reason I guess I picked that's pickles. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know. So, yeah, like canning jars, just glass in general, baby food that comes in glass. It's just. really, Yeah. So it's really weird to see. Um, I don't know how it's affecting the beer bottle industry i really don't but yeah i'm curious about that too in the, in the grocery world um glass is is very short right now so on the packaging um you know two main uh, cincinnati-based companies that i deal with here are out of cardboard trays um and that is just unheard of like they cannot get the cardboard to pack their item that's crazy so we're waiting we're just like hoping to find out. So that's just like another call that I got to make and say, you know, these are two great selling items for me. What are we going to do? Right. We're problem solving. So it's just kind of a, a work in motion all the time. And I think, I don't know, um, but in the corporate world, the orders are brought in from the top, the corporate. And the people at the store level, I think they know it's coming um, and they know maybe when it's coming. Uh, but the communication might have a little bit of a, a barrier where they know they can't stretch out or triple-double-face things to make their shelves look better because they're supposed to be waiting on the oh, goods that are something coming. something else. Okay. So maybe they don't... That's a s- good
0: explanation, too. Well, look at you.
4: Well, that's the thing. So if they're playing, uh, you know... <laughs> it's a, a man- diplomatic take on it. <laughs> diplomatic take. So if they're playing a man-to-man defense, they don't switch to a zone if they have to like right? we do. They just kind of let the offense... Get the thing. hell out of them, right. I guess. Sure, that's my take on it, at least. Yeah,
0: no, that, I mean and that that makes sense. Okay, so you mentioned the maybe potential disconnect in some of those aspects, and you being a buyer. Well, let me back up even a step further. I think I know exactly what you mean by being a buyer, but maybe I should let you explain that so that I
4: can. Yeah, sure. Being, being well, being a buyer it. here and being a buyer somewhere else, I think, mm-hmm. is two completely different job titles. Okay. Uh, being a buyer here um, is, I think everybody would agree with this, especially all my you know, co-workers, buyers, is mm-hmm. that you? we are in charge of everything from, I always say, B to Z, because mm-hmm. we do everything but use our own money to buy the product. Jungle right. buys the product. Um, but we are in charge of our numbers. We are in charge of our products, our pricing, our purchases, you know. There's two ways to make money here and it's on the sale price but it's also the buy. That's where you make the real money. Okay. So the buying is negotiating. It's not just ordering. Anybody yeah. can take an ordering gun and click a tag and say, "Yeah, I need a case of this." Right. That happens too. That's not really being a buyer. That's just ordering. Yeah. that happens, you know, on a daily basis around here. But being a buyer is, you know, negotiating, finding out, staying ahead of the curves and understanding what might happen it's kind of like its own little mini stock market in a way it
0: almost feels like you could be kind of like and uh, please correct me if i'm wrong but like it's almost like you have a little bit of like hey listen if you give it to me at this price i'm going to give you this real estate there's in the store, all for sorts example, of games kind of and toys you can play That's absolutely
4: so cool. um there's certain things you know different people do different things and it's like i'll give you you know a front page spot on our ad you give it to me for this price i think i'm going to move this many but i need to make this much right so there's a lot of different ways to work the deal um you know there's other things that the one thing that we do have in our favor as buyers here Mm -hmm. is if a distribution company gets hung on a lot of product that might have slipped by one of their warehouse workers or whatever that is short dated and they go oh my god we only have three weeks to sell this stuff yeah We have a great opportunity to go. We name our price. Like, this is what I need it for because that's how quick it's going to turn. If I did the math right, I'm going to sell this many units, throw over this many days to get rid of it and still make a really good profit or or whatever to help you out. So, those are the fun buys. That's the fun
0: ones. And that's some of the stuff I think I'm sure I've seen some of it. Like, and they usually keep some of it like on close out near the registers, right? Well, that may be a I, it's just like, I know uh, I'm speaking a little bit from a place of ignorance,
4: but no, you're not at all. And I, I mean, you don't know unless you don't ask. I don't think right. many people know. It's just my world. Yeah. So, you know, like we got a, a load of uh pancetta pieces. Do you remember that one? I, I do. think you that, were, that was
0: the item I was thinking.
4: Of. Yeah. Pancetta. <laughs> I mean, I cleaned
0: house on that and I made so much delicious stuff with it. Oh my God. And it was dirt cheap. I, I was, it, and it was that moment two for a I, dollar. Yeah. And it, it was, was like an eight ounce package. It got even cheaper than that by the time it was right. Like in the last yeah, week four for Yeah. Four for a dollar, blow it out or something. Insane. I was just like, yeah, but that's I was one like of those donating it to friends. I'm no, like, it's makes It makes like, it delicious, you know? So
4: yeah, those are the fun deals, but there's all sorts of different ways you can play it. Everybody kind of has their own different style, but the bottom line is you got to know what you're doing. How long it's going to take to sell it? What your average sale is on that item? You know, per week, what its shelf value is kind of worth. All these sort of things, and you just make a decision. That's the main part of the buying. But the other part to answer your question of being a buyer here is I love
0: it. By the way, you're doing you answered it great already. Continue.
4: Oh well, thank you. I mean, just what I mean to follow up with here. Uh, that's the buying part of it. But then it's also controlling your numbers, your labor, your shrink, meaning, uh, not losing product to whether it's out of date or, you know, theft happens. That's just kind of a fixed number that we throw in. Right. Um, curating your labor, knowing your labor numbers, um, just maximizing your bottom line. And that's the wonderful thing about this place and being a buyer is the autonomy, um, you get to make your own decisions. And it's kind of like one rule, make money and just, right. you know, but the markets are so difficult right now. And I'm in a fluctuating market being with milk prices and eggs. Yep. They're a commodity. So the, the price jumps and changes every day. And there's ways to look at that, read about it, talk about it, forecast it, all that sort of stuff. Um, but the bottom line is milk's so short-dated that you can't really do anything with making smart buys because you're only going to get like 10 to maybe 14 days on it by the time you buy it. So yeah. you're just kind of stuck with that one. Sure. So um, that's kind of the name of the game. That's super and cool. Do you also source new stuff? Absolutely. Like- that's also the other fun part. So you got to know your, your trends, where it's going. And I'm telling you right now, the biggest thing that I am personally seeing in my world mm-hmm. Is which is just a weird, weird thing, and I saw it break about three years ago on a pretty good scale, but now I think it's coming full force, and it's meat and dairy alternatives. They're get, people are getting away from actual grains mm-hmm. and actual meat, and people are finding ways to make things taste pretty good. Yeah, that are meat alternatives. Um, and it's a little scary in my like. Why is that happening? You know, I think um, there's a lot of buyers throughout the world. Like China has like 80% of our grain right now. Just the world's grain, I should say. Um, What all of that means, I'm not sure yet. But the trends that I'm seeing um, obviously affect the decisions I'm going to make to source new product. Yeah. And that is usually a fun game. And
0: sounds like it would be like probably the most fun part of the job. The
4: reason that, yeah, it is. But what separates us from national chains like kroger or whatever is that everybody is essentially going to get the new product that is an, a national brand right you're going to pr- see it all over everybody's shelves right but we have a unique opportunity here where we love the little guy that comes in like sam when you talk to sam with uh, sin yeah a great product
0: amazing product and great people too
4: and great people he's doing a great thing you know we know his wife dana and she does a great job. She's been working here as the beer vendor for a while. And, uh, um, oh, awesome. So that product came here. We got it some, like, gave it some deals, gave it some end caps, you know, some promotional pricing. And he's growing. And that is going to just add to where he might be able to go in the future, whether it's, you know, retailers close by or maybe catch a, a a chain, a big chain, a small yeah. chain. I don't know. But I like to get those products first. That's the fun one. So um yeah, there's been quite a few of those that we've all grabbed onto and really helped build.
0: Any favorites that you've found?
4: Um, I do like um you've talked to her, Elizabeth Wilcox. Oh cream delicious ice cream. Oh my
0: gosh. Liz, please, you gotta come visit us one of these days. I know her schedule's nuts, though. So yeah, <laughs> she has so much
4: going on. Um, oh, cream yeah, Cream Lish is great. That was the moment I knew that you and I would be friends. Yes, sir. I think so.
0: You're like, you got to meet Liz, and you got to try this ice cream.
4: It's really good. Uh She, uh we were the first to carry it, but I think she is blowing up right now. And she is getting into serious stuff. She has celebrity backers, endorsers. And Amazing. Yeah, I think she's getting into maybe Walmarts and Targets, maybe. That's cool. I, well, I don't congratulations know. Congratulations to her. Yeah, congratulations to her. She's uh such a cool lady. She texted me the other day, like, Chris, we have to talk. And now she's launching... Um, coffee creamers with the same flavors of her ice cream. I'm oh like, Genius. my
0: gosh. That sounds so good. Oh,
4: I want that caramel pound cake in my coffee. Yes, sir. <laughs> so there is, um, there's all sorts of cool opportunities like that. And, um, it's fun to see them. It's fun to see how people come up with this stuff. And, you know, just the funky flavor profiles that we get here. Oh yeah. You know, peanut butter and jelly soda, Buffalo wing <laughs> flavored soda. What? All yeah. right. But that's what makes us
0: unique. And, and it's uh, it's always funny to see people walking out of the store. I've seen a lot of people buy the buffalo wing soda. I'm just like. This can't be good. Yeah, I can't. I There's no part of me I'm like, because I bet it's sweet, but I just, I don't Tangy. know. Tangy. Yeah. Gotta, I, peanut butter be a and tang. jelly soda. Okay. That's at least in the ballpark. Just, it's palatable. You know I mean? Right. It sounds like a sugar flavor. Something. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Ugh. But I always have fun in the soda department. I feel like I need to do a whole
4: soda episode at some point. I've been kind of kicking it around. Yeah, that is one thing that I dabbled in for about three to four years here. And that was fun to get a lot of those. I brought a lot of those in. Oh, cool. So um, just interesting, interesting stuff. And, you know, there's some really favorite brands out there. And it's it's cool to see our customers grab – Grab and gravitate towards them like cheer wine. Oh
0: my! Don't even get me started. yes. Oh, that's a big. As one. a popular road tripper myself, I uh, I always enjoyed taking trips down south. As soon as you that's hit the, the cheer thing. wine line
4: it's big in the South with barbecue yeah, and um, not a lot of people know it. And you're not going to really find that anywhere else. No, it's really hard. I had
0: a friend lament. He was down in I think uh, Asheville, North Carolina, right when I first started. (laughs) Yes. And he was just like, um, he was, he'd come back and it was like a week after the trip. He's like, I'm down to my last two. And I was just like, well, you can always pick up some of that cheer wine shrapnel here. Yes, you know. Yes. And he's like, oh, really? bottles and, and, and like, cans. And cans, I know exactly. I didn't even, and this sounds so stupid, but I'd never seen it in cans until here. I see the glass bottles and the plastic bottles at gas stations when I drive. But like, yeah, yeah, that's like one of my favorite things ever. And so that's a thing. And you know what else we carry a lot of here? This is my East Coast kid coming out of me, and I really get excited about this. But it's birch beer. Yeah. Birch it, beer. And that's like, nobody really knows about it. And I always try to tell them like, it's like root beer, but a little more root flavored.
3: Yeah. Well put. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, a
0: little more earthy, yeah. woody <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. or something. Like, you got to like put the drink in the wood chipper, really get the yeah, full flavor good. of it. But that's too funny. You know, I was going to ask you outside of like, well, I guess the COVID stuff matters too, but what are some of the biggest challenges that you
4: run into? I'm like a
0: not a daily basis, but like on a regular basis.
4: Pre COVID or just still going on? I guess maybe if I don't know, maybe both. Um, right now, it's the only answer I'm really going to have is sourcing. Yeah how how am I going to get it? And there's not a there's because I asked the question like how am I going to get it? Right. There's little to absolute zero negotiation going on. Right. You're just lucky you're getting it. Yeah, so it kind of takes a little bit of the fun out of it, but sure. there are items that don't have any trouble getting. That there's still some competition going on, yeah. and I can have my fun there. But can uh, I
0: ask what it, like what one of those items might be without it being problematic?
4: The one, <laughs> uh, an item that I'm not having trouble getting. Yeah, like I'm, I'm so curious because cheese you know, uh, right now it's cheese. Yeah, sweet. It's uh, great news for all of us out yes, there. Yes, <laughs> that is great news. Um, but what is weird right now is I'm dealing with uh, an issue that there is definitely no shortage in cheese, but there's a shortage in the film that the cheese bars are wrapped in. Oh, on certain yeah, makes, areas. Yeah, that makes sense, though. Which is just goofy. So. It is
0: sort of weird that, like, so much of the problem lately seems to be packaging.
4: Yeah, a lot of packaging issues. It's
0: really kind of, I mean, it's not funny, but, it, you know, I laugh at everything. So, yeah, it is
4: a little bit funny, you know, I of mean, all the things.
0: You think all the sourcing of the other stuff would be the bigger issue, but. Yeah,
4: but you think of it as just one item that you, as a customer, are trying to buy, like, there must be a cheese shortage because they don't have cheese. No, no. you got to think about all the things that go into that. There's a shortage of drivers to get that cheese. Right. There. There's a shortage of maybe ink that goes on that film that they can't get. Right. There is, um, you know, there could be just any sort of shortage or issue along the way. There's a lot of variables that could lead up to all of those things. And we're really seeing it hit pretty hard right now. Yeah. Like, for example, when we were walking, <laughs> have you noticed this? I'm not going to name the company. Yes, but, but this uh, popular water brand used to have very thick plastic. The, the labels
0: are way different, too, actually. And
4: now customers, that's thin, bad plastic. Yeah, and
0: it, like, there's that part of me that's like, okay, from a sustainability, using less plastics and I'm cool with it. I'm going to guess also, that they
4: didn't have a choice. Right. That's my guess. Yeah.
0: My beef is more with a, uh, yeah, like it's a textural issue where it's like one of the things I don't like about drinking water out of bottles and why I've kind of pivoted to cans. Thank you, Jason. If you're listening, 17 star Jason, yes, yes. Uh, yes. It, but pivoting towards cans is that being a big, powerful human like myself. But I feel like every time I go to take a sip of this, like if I don't treat this like it's made out of rice paper, it's going to just be a burst of water. 16.9 ounces I'd of water. I'd personally like going to everywhere. see that, but I know what you mean. Yeah, no, yeah, well, yeah. you can subscribe and to my personal page. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's so good. I hate to sound like I'm complaining about the packaging or anything because I'm not, but you did make me think of something – and like, a, I wouldn't call it philosophical, but, uh, by any means, but like at the same time you did plant this thought that like, wow, when I buy, well, if I buy a piece of cheese, for example, or a milk might even be a better at, at vision. Cause it's like, you're not really just buying milk. You're buying a container. You're buying the ink and the pack, like the, you know, the branding the sticker, for it. There's the, like three the to four items that you're technically buying every time you buy something. Yes. So I'm sort of curious. I'm sort of curious. Why there hasn't been more pivoting in the way we package goods, due to this? Do you know, what, on like a on a big scale. Do you know what I mean? Where um, it's like- sh-
4: no, you're absolutely right, and I'm sure there's all sorts of, um, you know, intuitive things that people have come up with. Yeah. I think the problem is the systems that put them into play for mass production.
0: Right, that makes sense.
4: So whether it's coming up with a new way to package something it's, you know, one thing to get a patent for it because you obviously want to use that as your method of packaging, sure. but then creating the machine to produce. And I think all that stuff just maybe to come, maybe, yeah. you know, try to be an optimist. If anything good can come out of this pandemic, maybe uh, it's some new innovative packaging. Yeah, just send Foods. me
0: just send me bricks of cheese and a paper lunch yeah, pack. Yeah,
4: anything, <laughs> anything. <laughs> I mean, that'd be awful. Yeah. I mean, I would
0: still buy it. Please. don't. These are the things
4: that I think about all the time. There's an opportunity with this. Like, man, if you're in the packaging, how could you start spinning this a different way? Is there a different material that you could use? Right. And still use the same machines or whatever. So yeah, we'll see.
0: I'll be curious to see how this all shakes out. And I mean, it'll probably be another few years, obviously, but like,
5: yeah, I
4: think we're going to see some, I don't, you know, like we're I gonna put said. a calendar alert twenty
0: today in 2025, and we're gonna come back. We're gonna yes. talk. And be like, what happened with packaging? Yeah, we you know? should. Yeah, I revisit really the packaging.
4: Um, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not a forecaster. Like I just said, I'm trying to remain optimistic. It's just been a tough go with yeah. all of that. Luckily, we're doing real well here. Um, yeah, that's the good news. Uh, we've been. It's just been a grind.
0: Sure. And um, you can see, I can see it on everyone's faces a little bit, you know. Yes, where it's like it. It's that interesting thing where the world is kind of stopped, but then for a lot of us, the world didn't but they never stopped stop. eating. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. As much as I wanted to, I just couldn't do it. It's the one addiction I can't kick. Well, so. you got to do it to survive, buddy. It's not an addiction if it's needed. So, someone was just like, imagine if the thing that you were addicted to, if you didn't do it, you would die. I'm like, oh, don't put it. Don't put that in my head. I'll you know never what you are? You're addicted die. to living. That is true. Yeah. It's happiness, baby. It's happiness. I'm a living bit And and it's nece- it's necessary. That is true. So, you know, cut yourself some slack, buddy. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. No promises. This is just me crying for help. Oh, <laughs> well, you look good. It's always good seeing you. Likewise, dude. No, this is great. I uh, I had a really good time today. Thanks, Chris.
4: Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. I'm proud of you, man. You do you're doing great on the charts. If you haven't subscribed, I will do this for you because Thank you. Go for it. We would do work closely. I know how you do it. But uh <laughs> please leave them a review. Yes, that's important. That. It helps, but you know what? We are getting a lot of new followers, and it's been fun watching your success and tracking you, and it's uh, been a very fun journey. I think, what are you in, about 17 episodes at this, this point?
0: Yeah, uh, so as of today's recording, we'll be releasing episode 17 tomorrow. So today is what? It's 11th. Just for the 11th. The 11th, yeah. So as of January 12th, that's episode 17.
4: It's been coming And then this along. will probably
0: air in the next week or two, so yeah I always feel funny whenever we talk about the date on the show not in a bad way and then they go wait but they're like wait it's not the 11th and you're like yeah yeah, yeah I know but it's like I always I'm well, like, you can I've been trying well. to add it to my verbiage I'm like as of today's recording there we go date,
4: okay as yeah, of today's. yeah
0: but which is fun which that's all that's the hard part for me like when we track the charts yeah because it fluctuates every 12 hours so we could be number one at noon today but at midnight tonight we could it's like well, my milk prices that we talked about yeah literally they're
4: all over the board
0: yeah all the time uh, because this podcast is a commodity yeah
4: <laughs> well I hope mine do all right and they don't get bored and shut me off
0: no they're gonna be great and I and I'll thank you publicly as well for all of your help on helping me like really make sense of these numbers my it's pleasure been awesome. it's been fun your excitement really excites me so, oh yeah I mean seriously it's been fun to work with you in that regard yeah I mean, we, I'm having fun working with everybody but you know when you, you build yeah, that yeah you and I
4: bounce off each other real well right. you know we,
0: we have a good understanding
4: yeah and we you know Similar interests, similar ideas, similar visions. Yeah. So it's been fun. I think you're going to do real good things. I'm happy for you. Happy to have you a part of the company, and you're going to do great. Oh, now. thanks, Chris. I really appreciate that. Hey, that's my pleasure, bud.
0: Chris, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate you taking the time to come sing, you know, the show's successes, our brand successes, and more importantly, being open with the audience about some of the difficulties of what we deal with regularly in this world. I know I had no idea. It's just one of those things, or uh, not just one, but it's like multiple of those things that I lack the experience and the knowledge to know in advance. And yeah, some of it might be like, oh, that's a no-brainer. But of course, you know, but I bet a lot of you are nodding your heads in agreement with me right now about that, right? So thanks again, bud. Appreciate you. All right, last, to close this baby off, let's sit down with the brewers and the marketing team over at 50 West Brewing as we can start teasing the next beer in the Road to the Jungle release coming up in February. Okay, everyone. So if you haven't listened already before, you're doing me a disservice, audience, but you should go back and listen to the first beer episode we did with 50 West, but I thought I would try to catch any potential new listeners up since we've got a bunch of new listeners in the last couple of weeks. So obviously, since you all are here, talk to me. What's the road to the jungle? What, what are we working at here?
5: Road to the jungle is our collaboration beer with Jungle Gyms and 50 West Brewing Company. And... Um, 50 West is the road that goes from the East coast to the West coast. So, and then jungle is jungle gyms. And so, I mean, it made sense. Like people were like, Oh, you're going to call it jungle brew? Like lame, horrible name. Like right. don't like it. Like, so I was like road to the jungle, you know, in all, essence, all roads lead to the jungle, but there's that one road 50 that goes from East coast to West coast. And I threw it out there and it was funny cause it was the first thing I threw out and everybody was like, perfect works. Awesome. And so that means we're not categorizing ourselves to a certain style that we can change the style for all the different beers we have and just Road to the Jungle Volume 1, Road to the Jungle Volume 2, Road to the Volume Jungle 65. Hopefully we'll get to that high up and, you know, like I'm retiring on my last beer. Like, all right. Road to the jungle. <laughs> and the like the wheels be, are falling <laughs> off. Right. And no longer do I can I drive, but um we're gonna drink this beer one last time. So on like so. the
0: design and the naming, and obviously you heard you took a you know lead on that on the naming, but on the design, is that a fifty West thing or is that like a collaboration between fifty West and us?
6: It was a collab. Uh we have a designer in house. Uh his name's Alex, he's really good at what he does. Um but they worked, Alex uh, worked internally um, with with our team and then um, got us, got our, you know, idea of what the, the brand, you know, what we wanted the brand to look like um, to like a cohesive point. And then we um, we, you know, looked at what Jungle had and then we kind of combined both the ideas. Perfect. I love yeah. that.
0: And I think it's safe to say I won't bury the lead too much, but we're looking at doing a stout this time, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, Scott, this is probably a question for you. Time to, sh- time to shine, baby. Um, so, in a short, what's the TLDR on this? What is, a, like, what makes a beer a stout?
7: stout? Um, so, stout, I mean, it's the name that's just, evolved, you know, has evolved over the years. The exact definition of, of where it came from, I couldn't really tell you. But um, the, the way to, one way to think about beer is kind of the evolution of the color scale um so you know there are blonde ales which are very very light Uh, Mm -hmm. then there are amber ales which are you know a little redder and then there's a brown ale which is brown and then uh, crazy yeah i know well you know it makes all sense (laughs) and then the next one after that's porter because you know porter's a little browner than brown right right Uh, so exactly but uh (laughs) and then after porter is stout so if you kind of think of of beers along the color spectrum uh that's kind of the evolution and what that means flavor wise is again in simplistic terms you know, a a, a golden ale or a blonde ale uh, is all very, very lightly colored malts. It's going to be generally light lighter in you know, body and flavor, et cetera. Uh, As you get darker, you start getting more highly kilned malt. So the malt has basically been roasted. uh, So it starts to turn darker and, you know, uh, brown ales have a little bit of a browner colored malt that's been added, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You get all the way to a stout and you're at the point where you're talking about very highly roasted malts. So it's, you know, black. and, And when that, uh, grain is used to make the beer it's turning it's turning in a much darker color um the more you roast the grain a few different things happen the flavors kind of change they you know you go from a, a very light toasty bready kind of character to more of a kind of a caramel character all the way to uh, a very roasted almost smoky chocolate uh, coffee even even okay. characteristics uh the more and more you kill it so The more of those grains that are used, obviously, then the flavor of the beer goes in that direction as well. So, you know, a stout's going to be darker. It's going to have more roast character, maybe even a little hints of chocolate, hints of coffee, things like that. It sounds more delicious
0: and this. I I think you kind of maybe touched on this a bit. But something I know I've occasionally heard in a brewery or, uh, you know, anywhere I'm drinking beer. Or maybe, you know what, Scott, maybe I've even said this once in my life. But, you know, some people are like, I don't like dark, be- dark beers. Is there a certain why or is there a certain characteristic that you think they might be responding to? Or is this potentially a lack of knowledge that we could educate the customer on? Well, it's always a lack of knowledge, I, I like to believe.
7: But um, I sort so gen- the same. <laughs> generally, <laughs> generally speaking i'm just kidding uh generally with love so generally generally speaking uh and this is from my experience so i can only you know speak to what what i've run into thank you um when when people say they don't like dark beer uh a lot of times what i think they're referring to is they don't really like a beer that has a lot more body and Mm -hmm. is more filling um kind of which heavy yeah heavier you know heavier on the palate heavier on the stomach if you will um because that's what a lot of times people say, oh, I don't I don't like dark beer. It's too heavy or, you know, whatever. And that is true of some darker beers for sure. Mm-hmm. It's not true of all darker beers. Um, I could even make the same uh, argument for light colored beers. Like I can make you, I can make a light colored beer. that is the thickest, heaviest thing you've ever drank in your life. There's not a lot of those that are out there. So you don't really run into it very often. And generally speaking, you know, lighter colored beers are going to be lighter in flavor and body. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of times people say they don't like dark beer. I, I think it usually they're usually referring to the body, the mouthfeel, just the kind of heaviness of it.
0: I love that you answered, uh, like, eight of my other questions in that. Yeah, like, it doesn't have to always be heavy. You don't have to. There I, and and really that's what the show is for me where I'm just like not only are you educating me you're educating everyone out there a little bit well because you know I mean I think a lot of us don't know I think you maybe saw something one time and you're like that looks uh, that looks not what I would normally drink I'm gonna say no to that
8: uh, well I think also you you get into like a, a lot of people that have tried dark beer have only tried dark beer that's bitter or kind of definitely full body but they don't understand there's also you know dunkelweizen which is kind of like a like a hefty style just dark beer but it 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 more kind of drinks like an amber ale or um you know whereas porter there's a lot of these rustic porters came about where you have these very bitter porters almost leaning towards more stout they just don't have the body that a stout has interesting so i think i think a lot of people they try one or two dark beers, and they just assume all dark beers taste that way and stop trying them. Um, where, you know, I mean, if, 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 in a, if a, Imper- a Russian imperial barrel-aged, you know, coffee stout is the first stout you ever try, you don't really think there's anything, and, and then maybe you try Guinness, you don't really think there's the stuff in between, um, you know, and those kind of things. A really fun time in our
6: history was like when we first opened up the doors in the brewery in 2012. And um, I was actually at the front. I was like one of the people that you would walk in. I would like greet you when you walked in the door and it'd be like, Hey, can I help you like figure out what beer you want to drink? And there was a lot of people that didn't understand craft beer yet. It was like the time period in Cincinnati. And I think at large in craft beer where people were like discovering and exploring new styles of beer. Um, and, and so a lot of people came in the door and were just like, I like, light like what lights you have i drink you know xyz light beer um and we'd push them towards our kolsch and then we'd try to get them to drink our wheat and then from there to drink the ipa and so on but the the people that would come in and not like dark was really funny to us because bobby uh who owns the brie would be behind the bar a lot of times and he would look at somebody that said that and he would say well do you like chocolate and they would be like yeah, like who doesn't like chocolate? Right. And then he'd be like, do you drink, do you drink coffee in the morning? And they'd be like, yeah. And then he would put a dark beer in their hand that tastes like chocolate and coffee and they would drink it and they, their mind would like be blown. Uh, but they didn't have a lot of, you know, reference points in, in craft beer yet. And um, so like, I didn't, I don't think they even knew that beer could even taste like that. And I think there's some of that residual, like, I don't like craft beer thing or I don't like dark beer rather thing going on. And, and I think that people, yeah, it's an education thing, right? Where it's just like, you just haven't tried enough beer. Sure. Yeah, enough reference points to figure out, hey, there's all this dark beer that can taste like this variety of different like dark flavors that will probably resonate in some way with you that on a flavor note that like you do like, whether it's chocolate or it's coffee or it's, you know, raisins or or whatever it is. But there's so much flavor out there uh, within you know the color of dark beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that there's something that you definitely like. Like when people say they don't like beer, to me sometimes I'm like, you just there's too many flavors of beer that like you you can't say that unless you hate everything, Carbon right? right. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe you hate car- but there's still beer too. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be carbonated. So it's <laughs> like it's like you just <laughs> don't like. You, I don't know. It's it's you just haven't tried enough.
5: It and well, I'm gonna show my age a little bit. <clears throat> People that drank crystal clear Pepsi, who did the blind taste, were like, no, this tastes like Pepsi. And then they look at it, they're like, what the? And then they, the, then people get the two liter, pour it in a cup, and go, and the brain told them it was going to be Sprite. Right. Told them it was going to be, it was not going to be Cola. And they're like, what the? Right. And I, I used to be a server who sold craft beer, and they give me the lightest thing. And at this particular place, the lightest thing was a Hellas, which had... Just enough hot profile to throw people off. And then they had a darker beer, but was a Swartz beer style, which is smooth and easy drinking, and they just couldn't wrap the brain around it. It's like, cool, close your eyes. Here, try this. Keep your eyes closed. Now try this. Oh, I didn't like that last one. That was a dark one. All right, open your eyes. What do you have in your hand? What the? Like, right. Don't be closed-minded by what your brain tells you it's going to taste like. And where Bobby asked people, "Do they like coffee? Do they like chocolate?" It's a great he way. He led to do them it. into being able to appreciate the beer before just being like, "Here's a dark beer. Here's a light beer. Which one do you like better?" Because they're like, "This is going to be all heavy and bold, and and this one's going to be, you know, Miller Lite, and not nothing nothing like Miller Lite, and tastes nothing like a big bold stout, a Russian Imperial barrel aged, and it was your mind playing tricks on you." Telling you you're you not gonna like it because you have a preconceived notion before you give it a try. Yeah. Let's let's and, have some fun.
6: Mark, do you like Oreos? I love Oreos. Look <laughs> at me, Max. Come on now,
0: don't I have maybe eaten a few cookies in my hour. <laughs> try, try that beer in front of you. Okay. I'm doing my sniff test that you think, taught me last time. Think about like
6: the the um the cookie part of the Oreo. Okay. The outside yeah. of it.
0: I mean, even just from smell, I get that like kind of like slightly sweet, chocolatey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tastes like an Oreo. Yeah, dead on. It's, like, got that, like, like you said, like, the cookie part in particular. You get that, yeah. like, rich, chocolatey, like...
6: And it's got enough sweetness to at least represent the cream. Yeah. That, that beer is called Marble Palace. That's a beer we made, I don't know, how many years ago? Three, four years three ago? Three, maybe, I should say. Three uh, years ago? Really softened. Uh, it yeah, it's, year, it's,
7: like, three years old.
6: It's, uh... That's a cool beer. It was it was cookies and cream stout, which yeah. like, that stout just came out of the barrel, tasting like that. And then we we to be eighteen or added cocoa nibs in. It's, oh, it's real. It's, it's real hard. It's to tone on tone on the side. It's like secret code. <laughs> I love that. 2018. 2018. Cool it. Two thousand eighteen. Two thousand eighteen. That's cool. You know, it's the it's time. something I
0: think that, uh, you know, maybe and now that you guys have brought this up, it's kind of opening my eyes to it. It's something I think Jungle Gyms does a really good job of. But now that you're mentioning it, I really think. I think the craft brewing game really did open. It probably opened a lot of people's eyes because I think so many of us, you know, I think about the show, right. And I'm like, I'm hoping that this is inviting people to try something new. Right. And by having you guys come on and talk about this and kind of like, you have to hold the audience's hand sometime a little bit. I think about like music I've loved where I was like, I don't like jazz. And now I'm like, I maybe only like it, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. but I just didn't, ha- you know, you don't have the the language, so to speak, uh, to really understand it. So, I, a, I think it's cool that you guys are here to educate us on that stuff too. But yeah. what would you say
6: makes a stout
0: special, if anything, in beer? Yeah, just uh, like in general, like,
6: uh, like amongst the other styles. Yes, correct. Sorry, uh, thank you. I think that it well, it's the only style that that technically has roasted malt. Cause like Porter, you're not supposed to have like a roasted quality. It's supposed to be like a, um, uh, or a roasted coffee. barley ra- rather. Yeah, so like that bar- roasted barley true. quality, it gives you that. Like if you're brewing beer without adjuncts, without like extra special ingredients, just with malt, yeast, water, hops, um, it's the only style that'll taste like coffee ish. Like with that, like roasted quality. Yeah. <sighs> Cause Porter will have, like brewed without roasted barley, you know, as porters supposed to be brewed, um, it's it'll have like a, um, a more of like a charcoaly, ashy quality okay. to it. It'll taste dark, um, but it won't have that like coffee like note. Um, would you agree,
7: Scott? Yeah, I mean, some porters you start to get the, the beginning hints of that stuff, but it won't go as one. Yeah, there. stout is more of it. So it's like, like I say it's the evolution, it's, it's all the same flavors. As you go as you get darker and darker and darker you start to get more and more of them and they get more and more concentrated
8: so i mean really a stout is just a bigger version of a porter i mean they're the they're the same style in the basis sense the, the whole stout just became i mean when you think of english people they called bigger porters stouts because they were bigger there was yeah. more stout there even so, used to be
7: a style called stout porter yeah Right, and but,
8: that's where it came from, and then Porter fell off, and they just call it Stout. It, that's
1: so it, where it all it's, originated it's ABV, from, but so it's, it's, it's like, also
6: like BJCP defines it as like it's the first time you're supposed to use roasted barley. I'm you're sorry, not BJCP use, by the way. Uh, Beer Judge so, Certification. Sweet, thank you. So yeah,
8: Stout is where you can get into like also the unmalted stuff. Uh, yeah, where so like, the you versi- you get versatility. to those bigger bodied, but that but really unmalted stuff is just to produce unfermentable sugars that produce bigger bodies. So it's in in a in a basis it's just producing a bigger porter cool agreed yeah i like the big porter
6: It's it's but it's the first time that you get like the yeah those stronger the stronger roasted qualities butter, finally butter come off water. as coffee versus like bitter in the, chocolate. yeah and, and exactly versus bitter chocolate
0: that's so cool yeah see i mean i had no idea there was so much versatility within the flavor you know and i mean i imagine people are listening right now going oh i also had no idea about that so now What do you guys say we try to figure out what we're going to make together? Ooh, that's enough of a teaser. I'm going to cut you off before it gets too deep. Stay tuned for the full 50 West interview and episode in February as we move to release our next beer in the Road to the Jungle series. Next week on the show is my big finale to our Lunar New Year coverage, so make sure you're following our social and YouTube pages as I'm doing a big hot pot episode. And we made it simple enough for you all to be able to do it at home, too. It's going to be a ton of fun. There's going to be so much good food. I'm very excited about that. One of my favorite parts of the game. Of course, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, If you haven't yet, visit vote.citybeat.com to give Jungle Gyms a vote in all the categories we're nominated for if you're feeling nasty, because you got to fill out 20. you got to vote for 20 things. Feel free to look me up, too, because I'm nominated for a bunch of stuff like local actor, filmmaker, comedian, uh, podcast, all that fun stuff. Love to see some wins for The Jungle, and, of course, a little bit for myself. Uh, But I hope, most importantly... To see all of you at our Chili Bath live episode, a sentence I never thought I'd shout proudly, uh, on Saturday, January 29th. And in the meantime, I'll see you out there in the bathtub of chili. The Jungle Gyms podcast is recorded in the WJJI studio inside Jungle Gyms International Market in Fairfield, Ohio. The Jungle Gyms podcast is produced and hosted by Mark Morrison.